Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. Stop your slow clap. <laughs> why, are you, why are you from Texas now? Because uh, I got to choose my stock. How's that for high energy? That's false advertising. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. Does every actor that portrays a cop in a movie have to wear a fedora? You heard it here, folks. Mike Field <laughs> is dead inside. I'm actually trying to figure out who Brooklyn Duck is married to. Nice. What? She doesn't like, say it like she that. She does say it like that. She doesn't say it's it like stupid. that. Cowards. Cowards is what they're called, Mike. They're called cowards. Hello, I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that for a variety of reasons was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. What's going on? I don't know why I paused there because I was like, is there more? I don't remember <laughs> if there's more or not. I forgot. Oops. We only do it every week. I, well, you know, it's a long week, man. <laughs> What's up? Nothing. All right. Living well, the dream. No. Uh, Watch course. Stretch. Talk about movies. That's right. We're talking about Stretch this week. Well, actually, you know what? I'm doing the synopsis. So let me give you an idea of what a Stretch is about. And then I'll go into the facts. And then we'll talk about how we liked it, didn't like, you know, what Mike said in the beginning. A hard luck limo driver struggles to go straight and pay off a debt to his bookie. He takes on a job with a crazed passenger whose sought after ledger implicates some seriously dangerous criminals. That's a bit of a what's the word I'm looking for? That's a bit of a generic synopsis, I would say. It's almost as if you read it online. I said I was reading it online. <laughs> I didn't say I wasn't going to. I said it was from Google. Did I say that? Right, anyway. So Stretch is Rated R, has a runtime of 94 minutes, has a production budget of $5 million, and we'll get into that for a little bit, but let's get into the release date, because it has none. So it did not get released in theaters. This movie has a little bit of history behind it in terms of how it was coming to screen. It was going to be released on March 21st, 2014, but then about a month or so, January or February of that year, Universal dropped it uh, without any kind of hint of why, probably because they didn't think they could sell it. Now, this movie was produced by Blumhouse Productions and I Am Global, which basically provides the money for Blumhouse, which is why also that $5 million budget, because I don't know if you are, if a lot of people are familiar with the model of making movies that Blumhouse does, you know, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into that later. It's primarily low budget, quick shoot, you know, all that stuff. But I'll tell you this, what, with Blumhouse's name on it now, Universal's not dropping that today. Well, what's, I'm pretty sure they were already at that point. It wasn't Paranormal Activity before this. Yeah, but that's, I mean, yeah, Paranormal Activity was 2009, well, 2010. Well, I, went, is, eh. I went back and started reading like uh, about, there was a whole article about this production, why it was dropped and what Blumhouse was doing and all that stuff. Okay. And they had already done uh, like the girl, the girl next door. Was that the one with Jennifer Lopez? The boy next door. Okay. Yep. yep. Um, Paranormal Activity. They were already, their model of movie making was already trending upward. Uh, so it. I mean, I don't think they got to the conjuring yet. I th- yeah, I'm just I, saying in terms of their name. True, correct. That name brings people in the seat now. I think. Uh yes, I would, especially in the horror circles. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, back to this movie. So it got dropped. Jason Blum shopped it and couldn't get a buyer. So they ended up going a on a digital VOD release. So that date is October 14th, 2014. That's what I have. Yep. But it was also released a week earlier on Amazon and iTunes on October 7th. Now, I swear I saw this movie on Netflix. That's what you told me. I, I'm pretty sure that's how I watched it. And I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I know I watched it streaming. I know that because I didn't pay for it. Well, technically, yes, I did, obviously, because if I'm a streaming site. But I didn't like drop money to buy it. But I, I'm pretty sure I saw this on Netflix, regardless of that. And we're going to do something a little different now. Well, I should say this, though. I'm going to go up against what it went up against in terms of the home video market, just to kind of give you an idea in the streaming market, you know, because I like to do that. But I will say this. It did get a theatrical release in Latvia. And Ooh, it, and so it, it does count as Forgotten so Cinema. It's opening weekend. It pulled in $2,500, $2,500, and then worldwide $5,000. But it's all Latvia money. So if you're in Latvia, you saw this movie uh, in, in the theaters. Congratulations. We did not. So 
<laughs> so this will be a little bit weird, but on the the same day, the 14th of Tuesday, when it was out for VOD, you had X-Men Days of Future Past on DVD and Blu-ray. Ooh, Butler's not a fan. Nope. Yeah. Which one's that? The Sentinels are in that That's one? That's the Sentinels yeah, one. That, okay. that movie's nonsense. Compared to like the first one, which was the X-Men... What's it called again? First class. Yes. That, that was good. Series. First class is very good. Yeah. And then no. they ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the third one? Uh, Apocalypse. Apocalypse yeah, that, which is that's not good. Really bad. Yeah, and then yeah. there's. Has another one? The newest one. The one with the train sequence that we just watched. Oh, right. What Dark Phoenix or oh, whatever. Yeah. The train sequence was good. That was nothing. That was good though. Yeah. But I think that makes it better than Apocalypse because I can't remember anything I like in Apocalypse other than Quicksilver. Oh, that scene? Yeah. Other than the guy being fast. And I thought that was cool. Is is that one where they rebuild the hell, the mansion at the end too, or is that the fourth one? They're no, Dark that's Phoenix the one. end of Apocalypse. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. So, anyways, you had X Men Days of Future <laughs> Past on DVD and Blu-ray. You had Mister Peabody and Sherman uh, as well on DVD and Blu-ray, which I remember liking. It's a kids' movie. I wanted to see that and I didn't because I used to like the cartoon. You probably would like that. It's not bad. The week before, so now the seventh, you had on DVD and Blu-ray. You had Edge of Tomorrow, which is we like that movie. Yes. A million ways to die in the West. I was not that big of a fan. I never saw it, but mm. then Elise watched it when I was at work one day and told me not to bother. It's it was garbage. It's it's got maybe like a couple of yucks here and there, but no, nah, it's not very good. And then Million Dollar Arm, that is the John Hamm movie where they're looking. I think it's a I true story. Okay, yeah. yeah, they're looking for uh, a pitcher in uh, India. They had it was a cricket. It was kind of like they were out there. Doing yeah, like yeah, looking for a, a major league pitcher. So in the seventh, you also had what was released on the streaming world. You had In a World, which is the movie with Lake Bell, where she's the daughter of like a really famous trailer guy who goes in a world like that, that thing. Oh, OK. Right, yep. OK. It's OK. And then also season nine of Supernatural. The only reason I put that in is because we have somebody that we know that really loves Love Supernatural. Supernatural. She doesn't listen to the show, but she loves Supernatural. That uh, might be the last season I watched. But for you, Butler, on the eighth, <laughs> <laughs> on the eighth. Uh, so the day after this, you had Arrow season two came out on streaming. So Arrow season two is yeah. the best season of Arrow. That's well, there you go. I don't watch any of Arrow. You would like. I like you Batman. Might, you might be okay I with season one. I don't need to one. see Arrow. I tried. I tried Arrow. I tried the first three or four episodes. The first season is okay. Yeah. The second season is very good. I think you'd like the second season. And then I think you should just not watch it after that. Because <laughs> then it gets, it gets more comic book. And I don't think you'd be into that. But season two is actually really good superhero tv that's not like marvel okay and i think you'd appreciate that well i i know that dc's television arm is much more interesting and much more popular than its film arm yeah, yeah. the flash is very good as well right correct i've heard that so i mean but you know actually i don't you don't you don't have the dc channel right the do you have that no because it doesn't matter anymore oh right right <laughs> now you can get the other thing on max right uh doom patrol right and but that was an HBO show or that's just pretty. They don't have them. any plans to move Harley Quinn over yet, they say. Right. But there's also a lot of rumors that Max will just absorb DC Universe. That makes sense. And I wanted to get it for Swamp Thing and then they canceled Swamp Thing halfway through the first season, which everyone was saying Swamp Thing was really good. So uh, it must have not been. Well, you also have a channel that's not not a lot of people can get to. Well, they also didn't get your you couldn't get new comic books. It's like, get your comic book streaming, but not the new ones. <laughs> it's like <laughs> right. just random old ones. That, yeah. that makes sense. All right. So that's what came out before on streaming and DVD. Because remember, we we're talking about how Stretch is a digital VOD release, not a theatrical release. The 18th, which is four days after you had Liberal Arts on the streaming network. I only put Liberal Arts in there because I actually like that movie. Josh Radner, uh, I believe he wrote it. He might have directed it as well. Um, I, vague, I only vague it's actually pretty good it's actually pretty good i remember being like oh it's uh, the guy from how i met your mother yeah. and i was about it it's a good script um the week but the week after the 21st on dvd blu-ray you had the purge anarchy which was which one exactly i don't know is that the one where they actually had the woman in the government i think that's the one where they want to kill the president where they're trying to uh, yeah the presidential nominee okay the uh, purge movies aren't bad yeah they're all right sex tape not good Nah, maybe we had some funny stuff. It was watchable. And Earth to Echo, which I don't remember if I watched. That's more of a kids movie, PG movie, right? Yes. Yeah. It's it's all right. But you also had on streaming, you had Hunger Games Catching Fire. What is that? The third one? The second one? I don't know. All They're right. not good after the first one. And then Django Unchained, which I really enjoy. So That's, I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I love well, well these, are, these are those two were streaming releases, so they're not obviously... They've been this out is, this is like six years before. ago. I mean, I don't even know what the window was between DVD and streaming because now it's virtually almost simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right. So this movie was directed and written by Joe Carnahan. Who did the eight? He did. We did that movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Season one. Season, season one season. indeed. No, yeah. season one. You're right. Towards the end. Nice job. Nice job. Yeah. He also directed The Gray and Smoking Aces. Would and you like The Gray? Uh, I do like The Gray. I do not like Smoking Aces. And you know, what's up? I thought this was very much like Smoking Aces. And I, I didn't remember that he did Smoking Aces. And I was yeah. like, this, this is Smoking Aces too. Kind of. Smoking Aces is a little... It's a little zanier. It's too much. Some some of the people are too much. Although Chris Pine is pretty much the same. Yeah, he's the exact same. Yeah, that's probably why I thought about it. Um, and then he also did Narc, which we were Mike and I were back and forth when we were watching this movie. If we should put Narc on the list because I remember liking it. And I watched a trailer the other day, and I was just like, I, I think I did like this movie. I remember liking it, but I don't remember anything about it. I remember the poster. Well, I'm it's like, Ray Liotta, Jason like Patrick. It. Right. Basically, Ray Liotta's partner is murdered, and. Um, he, Patrick comes in to investigate to find out who killed the cop. He's, right. he's an officer. He's a, he's a DEA guy. or not DEA, but he's an, he's an ARC officer. And, but I think Leota killed him or something. Leota's not, Leota's dirty or something like that. that. That's the whole point of it. I, I can't remember too much. I remember, but I do remember liking it, but that was a long time ago. Who knows what, what's changed? We'll find out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Carnahan also has written, he actually wrote Bad Boys for Life or was involved in the screenplay there. Did Death Wish, the one that came out in 2018 with Bruce Willis. Ugh. He also wrote El Chicano, uh, which I remember we had for a week, didn't we? Or we had the poster up for a week, and then it, like we lost it. I I thought we had that. No movie. idea. What yeah. that is, it's like sure. an it's an action movie about two brothers that are one. I think one is in a gang, and one's like either he's a cop or he's like he's good. Like one's good, one's bad. Two brothers kind of thing. And I don't know. It's an action. Like it's kind of like a shoot 'em up. Like uh, like maybe like not like Death Wish, but like Narc or something like that. Okay. Uh, uh, story. I got story credits here for Jerry Corley, who didn't really do much else. I believe he's a comedy writer and he teaches comedy writing now. Um, and then you have a story credit for Rob Rose, who's written the screenplay for Apparition. He's also a professional comedian as well. So I would assume that these guys probably just were riffing with Carnahan. They came up with some funny stuff. Right, punch ups. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cinematography by Yasu Tanita. I apologize if I got your name wrong. He does. Basically, he's a cinematographer. This is us, the TV show. Mm-hmm. And loads of indies, which I, some of them I recognize, some of them I didn't. Composer Ludwig Göransson, mm-hmm. he won the Oscar for his work for Black Panther, his score there. He also has the upcoming score for Tenet coming up, Venom. He did the two Creeds, and he's the Mandalorian TV show. Mm-hmm. Edited by Kevin Hale and Jason Hellman. Hale has done Bloodline and the upcoming Boss Level, which is supposed to come out at some point this year, uh, whenever that is. <laughs> <laughs> Hellman has done Replicas which I watched a couple weeks ago. Deliver Us from Evil, Glory Road, and he also edited The Gray. I believe Hale was an associate editor on The Gray, so he, they've worked together already. And then obviously we already talked about producers, are Carnahan's Hansen producer, Tracy Falco, and then Jason Blum, or Bloom. So who is in this movie? Patrick Wilson, a stretch. Uh, Patrick Wilson's on one of my favorite TV shows, Fargo. He was in the second season. Uh, you should see Fargo. I know. I I'll get to it. Yeah, you need to. St- you need to see that movie. That's okay. higher up on my list of shows I got to watch. He's all. Their their new season's supposed to be coming out this this summer too. Actually, it's probably already out when people listen to this. Oh, so, it's still on schedule. Still on track. Uh, what's a TV show? They already did it. It's already okay. shot. That's with Chris Rock. It takes place in Kansas City. Uh, the gangsters. With, yeah, yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hard Candy. He was in Hard Candy, Watchmen, and also the Eighteen, which we had already referenced before. And the Conjuring, which is another Bloom House. Correct. Both Conjurings. Ed Helms is Carl with a K. He was in the Office TV show. Obviously, all the hangovers. He's also in two shows that I think I'm going to put on the list here. Cedar Rapids and Tag. I, I really like Tag. I don't know why it doesn't get enough. You didn't like Tag? No, I really like Tag. And you kept you were like on the fence about if you liked it or not. I'm, I'm no, I do like I'm it. I'm glad you've gone on the fence. I do like, like it. I just. Yeah. I know you have a problem with the ending. I do. I do like it. The ending is just kind of a downer, but I, I do like it. I absolutely think we should yeah. put that on the list. Yeah. I like that. But I, if you haven't seen Cedar Rapids, that's a good one, too. Uh, James Badge Dale as Laurent. Uh, he's in the TV show, The Pacific. He's also on a TV show called Rubicon, which I loved. And then it got canceled after one season. So I can understand if nobody wants to go to that. Uh, he's, he's also <laughs> in Iron Man 3 and The Lone Ranger, which we did uh, th- season three. I want to say season three. Season three or four. Brooklyn Decker as Candace. Uh, she is in Just Go With It, Battleship. And she's uh, the only thing else is just a former model. I don't know too much about Brooklyn Decker. She did I- like. She was trying to like really get into the acting space. Yes. Back when this came out, when Stretch came out. And then she kind of 
petered off. Petered off. What does she do now? I think she had she had kids, and I think that's she mostly does that. I know she's big on social media and stuff like I that. I recognize her name, mm-hmm. and I'm maybe me just being older. And I thought I know she's in stuff, and then I went and looked in her filmography, and I was like, I didn't. I only saw Battleship and just go with it. And I was like, no, maybe she wasn't in a lot of stuff. So how do I know this name all the time? Because I always hear that name. Yeah, she was in a couple of big things like early on in the early yeah. 2010s, and then. But she's big on social media still and all that kind of stuff. Well, I guess that's good. Yeah. She's married to a famous, in real life, I believe she's married to a quarterback. I wanted to say that. Is she? No. no. I hope not. I don't know. (laughs) She's married to some. She's She's not married to Drew Brees. I believe a quarterback. But I can't remember who. Someone's going to probably, I'm going to get a mess 10 weeks from now when this episode's out. I'm going to get a message from somebody. Well, it's not a quarterback. It's a famous it's pitcher. A, 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 you a, fucking dork. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Jessica Alba as Charlie. She's in the Fantastic Four movies. The Not the one that came out recently, the one before that. The two the, before that. Strangely enough, the better Fantastic <laughs> Four movies. <laughs> She's also in Sin City, Never Been Kissed, Idle Hands, and she plays Honey in Honey. She was Dark Angel. She's, yes, yeah, that's her. That's, that's, her the, that's how she thing, came. Yeah. yeah. That's what the guy from Bull, right? Didn't he like, isn't Michael, uh, he was in, um, he was on, was he on Dark Angel? And then he was on um, this, one of the, one of the uh, NCIS shows or something like that. And now he's on Bull. And didn't he like, like, didn't he have like an issue where like he was like on Bull, being yeah, suggestive? On Bull, he had a big problem. He had a big problem on Dark Angel. I remember oh, there was stuff he? coming out See, there. I don't remember him. Yeah. I don't really remember much. He was the one Angel. in the wheelchair. Isn't there a dude in the wheelchair? I didn't watch it regularly. He I just pumped Dark Angel like I should have known. Because it. that's where she started. I feel like the other yeah. stuff is. Eh. I remember liking Dark Angel. I just never got the chance to watch it regularly. Right, right. Um, Ray Liotta, who plays himself, <laughs> uh, he's in Goodfellas, Copland. He's in a movie that I want to put on the list called No Escape. At Narc. At Narc. <laughs> he's also plays Shoeless Joe in Field of Dreams. And you may know him from the Chantrix commercials where he's trying to quit smoking, which I think is some of the finest acting I've ever seen last year. <laughs> that and that and James Marsden on the taco on the on the nacho fry commercials. Oh, James Marsden's awesome the nacho fry commercials. <laughs> taco Bell. I mean, those Chantrix commercials when he when Leota's like looking out and I'm like, man, he doesn't want to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> David Hasselhoff plays himself. He has an awesome line in this movie, and I can't. I wrote it down, um, and I'm paraphrasing. But when he's like. <laughs> I don't I, I don't have the line here, but my comment is here, sodomizing Viet Cong kernels because that's how deep he rolls. That's fantastic. That's better than anything he was when he was in Piranha 3D. Wasn't he in Piranha 3D, right? Yeah. Yeah. You think I'd be on a low uh, highest rated TV? You think I just got there by chance? <laughs> He's talking about Baywatch, of course. The oh, Hoff right. is everywhere. He's also the original Nick Fury when was that TV show, which what was the we did last week? Uh who wrote that? Somebody from Terminator was part of that, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I brought that up there. You had Kevin Bigley as Fohawk. That's the dude that rips off the the limo. He's in the new TV show, The Upload. And he's on that movie, The Wretched, which was like the number one movie last week during the because everybody all the stuff's closed for the pandemic and the the drive-ins were having like a big resurgence. And that was the movie that was like oh, the really? number one movie of the week. Yeah, it was just it's from 2019. It's called The Wretched. I think it's about a, a mother who is um, wretched. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's possessed by a witch or something. She's trying to kill her son or something like that. Nice. Uh, kind of like a little bit of uh, the Babadook. Uh, Randy Couture as the Jovi, which you you wouldn't even know it was him unless you looked up who played the Jovi because they show him real quick. Uh, he's a wrestler, right? Yeah. Okay. And he's uh, also- an MMA fighter, I believe, as well. Is he really? I believe so. And uh, he is uh, he's in the Expendables movies, all of them. Matthew Willig as Boris. He plays the, the Jovi's brother. He's from We're, We Are the Millers, Three from Hell, and he was also in Birds of Prey. Sean Taub, I'm sorry if I said that wrong. That he plays Nassim. He's also, he's the dude from Iron Man who's in the who helps him build the suit, yep. and I, which I totally didn't get. He's also in a movie, Executive Decision. Now let me tell you about Executive Decision because that is one of the favorite my favorite moments of watching a movie in the theater. So this movie, which is not a bad movie, it's with Kurt Russell, it's with Steven Seagal. It's when did you ever see this movie? I saw this a, a long time ago. So <laughs> hijackers take a plane. They have to get to the plane in midair with a stealth. They have to have a connect, connecting um, arm that comes out of the stealth okay, bomber. I remember okay. that part. Okay. And they have, the steel has to stay so they can climb up. So they all climb up and like Steven Seagal is the last one and the steel starts breaking. And I remember going into this movie going, I just, it was it going to be a Seagal movie, whatever. And I remember um, Kurt Russell's line, we're not going to make it. And Seagal's like, you are. And he locks it. And the thing blows off and Seagal just dies in the movie. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. Like I was, it was, I was so, not that I'm, it just, 
Because then I realized it wasn't that type of movie. Right. Um, it wasn't like a hard to kill kind of thing. The reason why I bring that up is that's before like when you knew everything about everything coming out. Like I had no idea that was going to happen in the movie and we watched it and it was just like awesome. Like I was just like, yes, so I was all in. And actually, it's not a bad movie. Exactly. Kurt Russell, he's pretty much good in everything he is. Even if the movie's crap around him, he's, he's got such he's personality good. that yeah. he elevates anything. Like right. that movie, 3000 Miles of Graceland, that movie's not great. But he's good in it. Yeah. So, but just, I guess, I, I don't know why I, I, I got there from telling you that Nassim was played by Chantal, but there <laughs> you go. And then you have Chris Pine. Now, I put him at the end because he's not credited in this movie at all. And yet he's in. He's in like a lot of, of it. Movie. Right. Uh, he plays Roger Karros. Uh, Chris Pine's from Star Trek. Um, I'm gonna, he's also in the Wonder Woman movies, but I'm going to recommend two movies. You should catch him in his Hell or High Water, which is a fantastic film. And Bottle Shock, which is really good, too. Um, so, yeah. I don't throw that there. And then we have a Norman Reedus signing. I don't watch The Walking Dead, so that really doesn't excite me that much. He basically plays himself. Yeah. Who killed the hooker? (laughs) (laughs) So I had seen this movie already a long time ago. Mike had not. And I'm done talking. So I'm going to let Mike tell me, tell you, tell, I don't know, everyone else. What do you thought about a real quick, like, what do you think? Real quick. What do you think? Well, now that we're halfway done with our podcast, with you listen to the cast <laughs> is it 30 minutes? We're at 21 minutes. Nice. Like, awesome. Uh, well, I, cause I'm sitting here trying to, I'm actually trying to figure out who Brooklyn Decker's married to. Nice. <laughs> so I think this is probably one of the best worst movies I've ever seen. I, I can't tell you that this is a good movie, like a quality film, but this movie is, is really fun. And I had a really good time watching it. I found myself actually laughing pretty much out like really loud at some of the jokes and some of the punchlines that happen in this movie, even though I'm watching it at like one in the morning, my girlfriend's sleeping like right next to me in the other room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's for a $5 million budget. Mm-hmm. Like once I realized that I was like, this looks like it's way more than a $5 million budget. And he got people in this movie, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick Wilson might not be the biggest star, but he's a, he's a pretty big guy. He's very charismatic too. He's really good. He's I a great, really, he's a really good actor. We talked about this already in um, the 18 movie. Mm-hmm. He's really good. And mm-hmm. he's got a lot of that sarcasm, charisma that I really like in an actor mm-hmm. and in roles. Mm-hmm. And Chris Pine is just a lot of people like, obviously, I think Chris Pine is fantastic as Kirk. But the reason he is great as Kirk is because he's able to take all that craziness and kind of put it into this he's, yeah. smarmy kind of guy. And when he plays a crazy guy like in Smoking Aces, which you're right, it's not great, but he's great in that yeah. movie. And he's fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just completely out of his mind, insane kind of guy. And just an unhinged Chris Pine is a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the situations and the the guest starring roles like Ray Liotta and Hasselhoff just making fun of themselves are, are some great scenes. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things I'm not a huge fan of in this film. That's fine. But overall, I think this was a fantastic film. I even told my girlfriend uh, this morning, I was like, you got to watch this film. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, it's a bad movie. Right. But it is a really I don't fun, think it's a bad, bad movie, movie, though. Not a bad movie. It's a B movie. It's How about a B that? movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's trying to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's got no qualms about what it is. It's a really fun, really short, quick ride. Yeah. Starring Patrick Wilson, which I was like, finally <laughs> like, yes, he's the star. Well, when this movie came, when this movie first came out, it was kind of like, oh, Stretch is going to, I remember it's going to get a straight to video release, going to be streaming. And the big narrative around it was. They didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to sell it. It's been shelled. It's been pushed because it was supposed to come out obviously earlier in the year. Right. So going into it, I was just like, all right, well, let me let me see what this is about. And I was obviously, as you had the same reaction, like, oh, this is this is good. This was entertaining. I don't understand why they, they couldn't sell this. They, they couldn't, couldn't make five million dollars off of this movie. They I'm sorry, but if this this had a well, you have to understand this has a five million dollar budget. So Universal is looking at ten to twenty million of marketing costs. Right. So you're looking at you have to clear twenty five million with this movie. Can you? I don't know. Can you clear if you're if Chris Pine was still gonna be uncredited? I mean, that would have been tough. You have you first of all, his name's gotta be on the poster. Yeah, I don't get because Star Trek's already hit. Him. Yeah. That's one of my notes. It's like, why uncredit Chris Pine? Just because it's fun and to think like, oh no, I, he's that character. Maybe he didn't get maybe he didn't get paid. Maybe he didn't get like scale. And like I he can was, see you know that. what I mean. He because did this by this a, time and Star Trek as a favor. Yeah, he's it could have been something be like that. Right. Yeah, but yeah, because Ed Helms is second build. But yes. even then, you put those names up there. I can't see you not making five million dollars in your release. And this is after one of the hangovers, right? On, yeah, after, this yeah, is after yeah, all yeah. of them, I believe. All of them, 2014. Oh God, they're I that old. So yeah, I watched the second one of the day. I still like it. It's it's all right. It's, it's just the first one. You should watch the second one. It's the first one in another country, but it's funny. Uh. I can't see you not making $5 million on release and not making maybe 20 million in video. Yeah. No, I, well, I think maybe that's what I, I also not releasing worldwide. Yeah. I don't, I don't, 
I maybe just somebody didn't like the movie. Maybe an executive was like, this movie's trash. Or, I don't like Joe Carnahan, whatever. whatever. Maybe it was just something like that. Maybe they didn't believe in Patrick Wilson as a star. I don't know. Patrick Wilson is one big movie away from getting the same roles that everybody else gets because he is there. There are a lot of people like that, like that are really good and they just haven't been given that one role that catapults them. Well, the other thing is he keeps getting roles where he's this, obviously the second billing guy, but he's always very often so serious Mm -hmm. and like the conjuring movies are huge movies and he's in them, but no, you're not watching it for Patrick Wilson. Right. But it's, he plays a lot of, yeah, he plays a lot of those characters where he's so straight laced and just like, okay, Oh no, we're very serious. And it's these movies like the A team and Aquaman. He's the same thing, all serious and stuff. Well, here's the thing with, he was in Watchmen and he was supposed, he's the pretty much the lead in Watchmen, but Watchmen didn't do well. And right. But you're also playing him up again as serious. This. Uh, Hmm. yeah, I guess. I guess I think he's so much better when he's got that charisma and that sarcasm to show through, you know, you got to give him those type of movies. Like that's how Mel Gibson got started by playing these kind of out there. I mean, I'm not saying Mel Gibson deserves the stardom now because he was a star back then, but yeah, but he got there by uh, playing these sarcastic, you know, a lethal weapon. Yeah. Mad Max put him on the scene. Yeah. Charismatic kind of people. Yeah. He he was Mad Max and you're living dangerously. And he was in movies where like, Oh, that guy's pretty good. And then he got lethal weapon and it was just like, Wow, yeah. he's a he's a huge he's a huge star and stuff like that. And obviously, twenty twenty hindsight, you know that person is now. I, I understand if that shades you in terms of how you feel about Mel Gibson. I'm talking about his rise. Past, right, that's right. what I was talking. Yeah, right, 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 absolutely. So I think Patrick Wilson, if he's given another a couple more of those movies where he can actually show his charisma, yeah, that would help him. A lot. He, I guess, he needs like a big role. And but there's tons of actors that are like that that we've brought up. What did you think of? the voiceover because i don't like voiceover as much a lot but i do like it the way they utilize it here where he's it's not i know in classic detective tales the voiceover is kind of a staple Mm -hmm. so i'm i understand that when i watch a detective movie or noir and i'm like okay fine I, i that's part of that right so i don't really kind of that's never a negative to me but I like when voiceovers are being told to me as the story's going on, not like looking back. Right. I think that's what helps this story is he's so often interrupted by stuff happening. Yes. And you do get into his head, not just I'm reiterating the story to you. Right. Like, don't go. Don't keep going. Like when he's going, when he sees his uh, ex fiance in the club, right. he's like, what are you doing? Don't go. Don't go. You're going. You're going. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. What are you going to what do? You, what's your plan? What's your plan? Yeah. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's good. I right, just see him then. <laughs> and it's like that kind of stuff is like more real. Mm-hmm. And when he's he's talking to himself and then he sees the pink car drive by and he's just like, and then I. No, no, no. And he gets interrupted. I like that. Oh, I like my favorite part of that was my favorite moment. Excuse me. Was when he's. uh at the stoplight and he's talking and and the tow truck comes up with the brother in it and he's like <laughs> as long as he had the cash holy shit <laughs> that made me laugh I, I couldn't stop laughing i love that he's got the chechen subtitles even yeah. speaking english hey buddy <laughs> when he's screaming when he screams ah when he's running after the car and it's all just chechen uh letters yeah no, that was great it's fine it, but like that that's when i like the voiceover when it when it's as you're watching it Right. Um, you know, some, but the voiceover is tricky because it, more often than not, it's done wrong. It's misused. It's it's done. It, it's it's put in. It's a af- crutch. It's put. It's also put in. Sometimes it's it's a crutch. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's also put in after the fact when the movie's done and they realize Sh- shit. We haven't explained a lot of stuff. We let's put let's do a voiceover. It's, it's, it's put in there to correct problems with the script, and that's why probably it doesn't work a lot of time. But when it's written on the page it's already something that you have considered and you want to put in there. I think that's when it's effective. What movie did we do already in forgotten cinema where it was supposed to be a voiceover and nobody wanted it. So the actor did it really bad so that they couldn't use it. Oh, I don't remember. We did one of these movies. We did it. It was a movie where there was a, the production company or the studio wanted a voiceover after the fact. So the actor did one so poorly. Oh man. I don't remember. we, We either did it on forgotten or we mentioned it. The actor did it so poorly that they couldn't use it. I don't remember, but I'm sure at this moment there's going to be a ding sound as you're editing it, and you're going to put it in there. Yeah, there probably will because <laughs> I'll look for it. That's understandable. Ding. Hey guys, hey, <laughs> this is Butler here. Two a.m. in the morning. <laughs> Two at three a.m. <laughs> Hi guys, Mike here. But unfortunately, I think I might have failed you all. I can't find the exact episode I was referencing to for this whole voiceover thing. 
But from what I can remember, it was an episode in which we discussed voiceovers as a whole. And in that episode, I used the example of Blade Runner. Now, supposedly, either from himself or people attached to the project, after Ridley Scott was removed from post-production on Blade Runner, the producer stepped in and wanted a voiceover, neo-noir kind of detective's narration over the film. Harrison Ford wasn't a big proponent of this idea, and supposedly, he did a very bad version of this narration, which ended up on the theatrical cut, but then was cut from other versions down the line as you see them today. I think this is what I was referring to. And if I'm wrong, hopefully there'll be some forgotten cinema superfan who knows all our episodes and can point me in the right direction. That's the dream anyway. Superfans. And by the way, it's not even 2 a.m. yet. It's 1.51 a.m. So suck it, field. And you know what? Past me, too. 3 a.m. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but, well, oh, I can't well, wait to find out. On that note... <laughs> What did you think about Carl with a K? Because <laughs> Carl with a K is probably my biggest problem with the movie. Okay. In, in terms of him being his conscience? Being him being, I don't even know if he's his conscience. He's like the devil over his shoulder. His, he's his doubt, his self-doubt. There's that one moment where I did feel like he was the devil over his shoulder when he's driving. And the first time you meet him, the first I believe, because he has him. the mustache. And yeah. Um, well, I like the story. I mean, I really wanted to know why he was so depressed enough to kill himself for those two people. I like, I like the background story. Yeah, like that's what, yeah. that's what stretch should be striving toward. Mm-hmm. But then also he killed him. Like that's what stretch, if he wanted to be good at his job would be leading toward. Well, here's, yeah, but I ahead, didn't like the ghost part of it. Here's the thing. And I'm going to go right back to the voiceover because I just, I just sat here and lauded it. Mm-hmm. But now you have two devices now. Now That's you, what I thought, you, have, yeah. you have a voiceover and you have him talking to himself in his conscience. It's that's a little confusing. Now, mind you, it works. It's funny. The voiceover is funny. The movie's only 90 minutes long. So maybe I'm not really too hung up on Carl with a K, but it maybe do one or the other. I would stick with Carl with a K. Why even bother having the voiceover? But. Hey, listen, I, like the I didn't make the movie. Better. I know, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't make the movie. Um, so I under, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's still a good flick. I mean, I don't, I'd have to see the movie without Carl with a K. I, I think know, we keep saying Carl with a K. It's Carl. <laughs> he calls him Carl with yeah, a K. We just keep why. saying it. But yeah. I think you could cut him out and it wouldn't, the movie wouldn't lose anything. That's the thing. But you have <sighs> him in. I don't think he, he just doesn't seem necessary because I don't think a lot of his jokes are very, a lot of his jokes are not something I really laughed at. I like if I think if you kept the story and you just had like when he shoots himself, had the flashback, right. right? I think, and then you and then all the other Carl with the K moments are just more voiceover stuff. I don't know, maybe yeah, and maybe it'd be too voice, too much voiceover. I don't. I don't, I don't think know. you need Carl with the K's voiceover at all. Just ah, it's his a good story. question. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good question to to figure out. I, I like Ed Helms, but I don't think he's used correctly in a lot of the things he's in. I think in a lot he, of the things he's in, he's extra in a way that like he's not necessary. You would like him in Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids, he's the lead. Sure. And well, although it is an ensemble piece, but he's that type of character. Like I didn't watch Vacation because I had no interest in Vacation. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but I also don't no, watch. thank you. Um, so I don't uh, like. I, and he's not the lead, obviously, in the Hangover movies. Um, he's part of an ensemble, I, but he's, he's good in the Hangover, and he's good. In, I'm not saying he's not good. He's no, good no, in no. the office. Like I don't like. I don't like Ed Helms. But there's some people that can't be a leading man. Ones. There's some pen, people that aren't leading men. Like Paul Giamatti is not a leading man, right? You know what I mean? Yes, he can. He can carry a show like like John Adams. I was gonna say yeah, John yeah, Adams. Right. But that's a TV show. I'm talking about you're paying twenty dollars to go watch. Paul Giamatti and Transformers? No. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. I got like, you. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So are you paying $20 to go see Ed Helms in the new Voltron movie? No. I know there's no new Voltron <laughs> movie, but don't get excited. But <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but <laughs> that's a weird choice. But yes. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to. He's not a leading man. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I'd love to have that career. I just don't get what he's doing in this movie. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's. So you think like if it was a different actor? No, I think he's just pointless. I think his character just doesn't need to be in the movie because he didn't he didn't deliver anything we didn't get already from the voiceovers. That self-doubt, the ability to mm-hmm. to to know what he's doing, his planning. You get him planning with himself in the voiceover. Yeah. So you why is he planning also with Carl? Like you said, right. one or the other. And I think the voiceover works a lot better. Yeah. I think if Carl maybe if Carl was funnier. Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it's just trying to do jokes, trying to riff on jokes when he's with together. Right. 
You know, right, I think did you watch the deleted? Not the deleted. Did you watch the outtakes towards the end? I like credits. Drops a cigarette. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you could tell he was trying different things. So right. I yeah. like Chris Pine's in the deleted scenes. His need to talk about Will. Will uh, <sighs> Give me Wilford Brimley. Wilford Brimley's mustache and stuff yeah. like that. I was like, they should have added that. I, I well, like that. Well, let's talk about Chris Pine then. He's aside from Patrick Wilson being in this movie. This is also Chris Pine's movie. I so He's really good in this movie. And what's unfortunate, though, is that the ending kind of stinks. Like, I get that he's the like the ending kind of wraps he makes it up. him the bad guy. He's, the, he, he's almost like the bad guy by convenience. Well, he would be the bad guy. He said he's never the good guy. But it's don't you want to think like he's there to help? You know what I mean? I liked him. Yeah. Toward the most of the movie, he's like this mentor figure almost. This, and he's also he's also off the wall. Right. Yeah. I'm going to be crazy. I'm teaching you about life and just living life to the fullest and just doing all this stuff. And then at the end, it's like, that was all an act. I'm, right. I'm a bad guy. He's like a, he turns into like this creepy, like, just like his character you know. does this weird turn. You're right. It, and, and, and I get it. Like all signs are pointing to like, that's what's going to happen, but it's still kind of a turn that you're just, eh, man, that stinks. Yeah. But like, I couldn't stop laughing when, the line when they get to these, the going to whatever the, the orgy or the sex party. And he turns around and he's like, Oh my God, I didn't even see you get out of the car. He's like, neither did I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think somebody got pregnant in there. I have you lady. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, um, I also didn't, I, I actually, I've, I'm always somebody who enjoys when they repeat lines. So in the, in, when you first meet Chris Piner, when Chris Pine's in the car, he talks about how he's a fire starter and he starts a fire. Oh, yep. I did not like when stretch says that line back to him at the end of them, because I just felt it was forced. I felt it didn't fit the end. The whole ending felt very forced. It felt very like, okay, let's wrap it up. And this is where we're going to end. And it, I don't know. I agree. This whole movie kind of, I, I put in my notes, it's, kind of the comedy version of collateral mm-hmm. and it, it has the same kind of beats that collateral went through. And I almost wonder if this was collateral was somewhat of an inspiration for Carnahan when he wrote this mm-hmm. same kind of plot. Crazy man ends up in a driver's car driver needs money, ends up on this crazy trip with this guy ends up with this huge chasing through the streets of LA mm-hmm. ends kind of the same where we have to wrap this up. All right, let's make this guy like now that they were friends, let's make him a villain. And all of a sudden our hero who's kind of in over his head, does this crazy action moment where he wins, which doesn't the, the action moment makes no sense because cops are putting him down like they're tasing him or whatever. Right. So when he throws the, the money in the air, like, the whole thing, like he gets away like and he goes and the FBI goes to the diner at the end. Also, and, that money's not reaching Iggy. Iggy's on the other side of the thing. Yeah. Iggy's not getting any and, of that money. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. And Iggy walks with now Iggy's the book, the bookie that. Uh, he owes 6,000 by midnight, which he doesn't ever get to him by minute. It's like 2 a.m. or something like that. And he says, you want your money? Meet me here. And and they have this big meeting and and like, I'm supposed to know what kite is. Like I'm supposed to know it's some kind of like, you know, super club in LA and I don't. And every, everyone's at this alley now, the Jovi, uh, you know, uh, Karos, which is Chris Pine's character, the FBI, the police are all here and stretch gets away and runs off by throwing money in the air, blowing up his car Going and and at the end, I just like I'm not gonna rest you. We're, you're fine. You're fine. Like mm, I'm sorry, but he's he he escaped from that. Now, granted, there is a suspension of disbelief. It's a movie. Right. Blah blah blah. I get that, but still, I'm, it's a little tough. I mean, he does give him the ledgers, but the FBI guy even says you're probably a really wanted guy right now. Yeah, like I don't want you, but cops, mob, everybody's gonna want you. You're you're a pretty wanted guy, so you got enough on your plate. And he yeah. wants like because he got his ledgers, but he does make it like. You're going to jail. Seriously. You, got, you only got a little bit of time. <laughs> Seriously. He's uh he's, he's, they made, it's like a happy ending at the end and we'll get to that, but it's not, it, he's, there's like a world of hurt coming his way. Right. <laughs> going back to Chris Pine's character. He's so good. He's on, he's, I, my note here is that he's on another plane in this movie. Like he is, everyone's, everyone's like on this level and he's like two levels above. And he, he's up to the line of over the top, but he never goes over. Right. And he's just, he's really good in this movie. He's funny. He has a lot of good lines. Um, he's believe he's just, he's, he's a good actor and he obviously shows it. Like great wine, great art, or fine wine or yeah, whatever. <laughs> like he just he has these moments where he's trying to like postulate like this, these big grandiose things. Then he goes back to just being like, whatever. Yeah. And I, whatever. Oh, I love the also line. Are you completely freaked out? And Patrick Wilson just stretches goes, 
No, I drove Charlie Sheen for six months. Like he doesn't care. He's like, who's that? <laughs> Ray Liotta's thing with David Hasselhoff. Who's that? Oh, I know. Oh, they, he does a lot of TV. A TV star blew me off for a TV. Not one movie that you can remember. <laughs> he, I, my favorite Ray Liotta line. And this is when he's talking to Marcy. He's like, "Why are you mad? Is it me?" And she's like, "No." Do you really want to know? And he's like, "Is it me? No." Then I don't want to know. I'm sorry. I'm being honest. I don't want to know. <laughs> like he's really concerned, but when it's not about him, he's yeah. all right. Yeah, that's funny. The the Leota stuff's funny. Um, I like Jason Mitsuko's. I hope that's how you pronounce his name. That's how I always do. Uh, okay. The the guy in the club who he has drive the limo for him. I really like him as an actor. I think he's really funny. He's great in House. Oh, was it House Party or The House? Uh, the House with Will Ferrell. Yes, he's really great in that. He's really great in The Good Place and Brooklyn Nine Nine. I just really like him. Isn't he on? Um, is he on that TV show? Uh, the fantasy football show they did. Yes. Uh, what was that called? I never watched it. My friend kept trying to get me to watch it and I just wasn't was interested. Was it called The Draft? No, it was called The Draft. It was the League. The, the league. league. Yeah, I never got into that. But he, that's, right. he, he's on that. He, he's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really, really he's good. He's funny. Yeah. So I like him in the limo thing. It was like, maybe if you'd be nicer to me, can you be, maybe we could be, you think we could be best friends? Because all my best friends are married now and I, I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> but no see, all that stuff seems me. like it's all like improv. Exactly. You know I think I mean? he does improv really well. Like, yeah. I think he's really funny. He plays a certain character in everything he's in. Yep. But I think. It works for him. Sure. And he does it so well that I like him and everything. I, when I see his name, I'm like, I can't wait to get to the part he's in there. Improv's funny because improv is, if you're good at it, you're, it, it works. Right. But when you're not good at it, it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work at all. And unfortunately, somebody doesn't tell you you're not good at it. And you know, you're forced to kind of like mire through it. So it, it, when somebody's really good at improv, it's like, great. Check mark that and be like, you can improv all you want. Right. When somebody's not good you get like listen follow the script <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i actually liked uh well let me ask you this mm -hmm. so we are obviously east coast guys yes this movie's heavily la based mm -hmm. do you get tired of seeing movies that are based solely in la like we're supposed to be on the joke of la like i understand like they have that more when he does the different stage names because he's trying to be an actor oh yeah that's funny keeps, that's generating yeah, it. That, that makes me laugh that and he that's drops the card that's totally <laughs> legit i get that um you know that the people do that but do you can the rest of the world really still relate to movies that are la based like this there's so many that are i think so it's just hollywood's just such a part of the zeitgeist of the world and america sure. in general I really like th seeing things that take place in L.A. because obviously someone who wants to be an actor, it's 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 fun to watch that kind of stuff and to see sure. Los Angeles. And also it's well, maybe we're not. so far. It's so far away from us that it seems like a different world, which is always interesting. Well, maybe not L.A. in terms of like movie like a training day, like movie about like, you know, L.A.P.D. stuff like that, like real based on real life stuff. Uh, it's probably a little like um, L.A. Confidential and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I maybe I mean more like entertainment LA based, right? You know that kind of thing. Well, like, still okay. That's okay because it, it allows you to be zany and ridiculous and kind of take the piss out of something that you sure. see every day that is a little higher than life. And then something comes along is like, let's do this and really right. kind of. I think it's, I think it's interesting. I really like to see those kind of movies if they're done well, right? But not often done well. No, but I think this is one that is. I mean, I've seen no, of course, of course. Now I've seen plenty of indie films that. Are LA based just because they're LA based because that's where the actors are and they right. put together this fine uh, that that are just not good and I can think that sours me a lot of times in the same way it sours me when I watch a film based in New York I went to a film festival one time where we watched a bunch of movies I've done I was Tribeca Film Fest and uh, one of the categories was had to be in New York like that was the category mm -hmm. and one of the movies we watched was awful was was awful to the point where I turned to my friend I was like this movie got in this why. Who did they know just because it was shot in New York? Like that, it was bad. It was really just not good. Um, and that's my personal opinion. Obviously, it could have been somebody could have thought it was great, but it's not like I'm arguing whether like a movie like Saving Private Ryan was bad, uh, you know, which is universally, right. you know, known to be a, a good flick. I'm talking about a movie that just I don't understand anybody that kind of liked it except somebody who made it and their parents. Um, but like to that, 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 that sours me on like, oh, here's another New York movie, like that kind of thing. Like, New York movies, I, I, the thing about New York movies that I like is the exact opposite of L.A. is that I know New York. Yeah. So when it's in New York and it's really New Yorkish and you can tell they filmed outdoors or indoors and mm -hmm. it's actually New York City, I'm like, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I really like about the Netflix Marvel shows is they went to New York. It's right. clearly New York and it's it really each show showcases a different section of sure. it. But I it also sours me when I watch movies that I know are not 
you say it's New York and it's oh, clearly it's like, it's Toronto. Absolutely Toronto. Yeah. Or Cleveland or, or Cleveland yeah. or well, Chicago. I, the only reason, like, why? I, I get that. Well, it's cheaper. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know why, but. Um, no, I understand that. Yeah. I'm only asking this just to kind of have a conversation. I don't really, yeah, but, I feel both ways about everything, you know, in general. But I will say like a movie like Cinderella Man took place in old New York. Mm-hmm. They had to use Toronto because there was obviously there's not a lot of old New York right. left. Right. So, and if, if it's done well, then great. Good job. But um, I just, I was curious if, if, you know, you were, have you seen enough LA based movies, that kind of thing? If, it, if it's kind of soured you in terms of not really. okay. settings don't really affect me as much as what the story based in that setting is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the, the setting you really couldn't place it any other place and it really does you, your actors being crazy you mm-hmm. get that weird sex club that you know you always imagine like the most famous of people oh, right. go to and it's yeah. just like so overblown but yeah. yeah how overblown is it no that that, <laughs> that happens no doubt exactly and it's like the guy with the mask when you're super rich and you bored you got nothing that's what you do exactly. you do stupid stuff like no i absolutely if you do not think that it exists that absolutely exists I just watched a movie where they just had did that too. The Lovebirds. They just had something like the, the Secret Society. Oh yeah, they, you they always have that. to have that kind of uh, stuff. Eyes Wide Shut is a legit thing that I, I mean, come on, these things happen. It's weird, but so this movie was shot uh, in 21 <laughs> days, and I know I said I talk about the the Blumhouse model. It's Blumhouse, right? A Blumhouse. 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 Um, about making movies. Uh, so they do. They probably they probably the budgets have increased now, but low budget, quick shoot. But they give the director has creative control. They don't get in his way, hit or her way, um, but it's fast. It's fast, maybe fast and loose. I know I was reading some stuff where some sets were toxic in terms of, um, not toxic in terms of any like anything like uh, sexual harassment, but toxic in terms of just like you're working long hours. And you're you're, you're forced tough, to get there. Right. Yeah. As long as a studio like Universal will have approval of the cast and director, and once they sign off, you know Blumhouse takes over and produces it basically. But this model had has worked for them big time. Oh, absolutely! To the point where they are now are, are they're obviously much bigger. Um, and I don't think their budgets have really gotten that big. No, even the Invisible Man was a fifteen. But I they've done budget. they and yeah. But like even then, that's a small budget. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. But you're talking about how we we've talked about this before about the twenty to eighty million dollar budgeted movie has all but disappeared. There's still some out there that could pop in and out. But it's all but disappeared because you're talking this movie was going to have 10 to 20 million dollars of marketing behind it. And it's a five million dollar picture. Mm-hmm. If you make a movie that's 60 million dollars, you're talking. What, 40 million for marketing. So then those costs are never put into the production budget. You only see when we talk about budgets, we're only talking about what went into actual production of the movie. Yeah, look at Terminator. You talked about was it 100 million, 100 million dollars marketing. Right, so was a hundred or two hundred? It was one hundred eighty-five million. I remember that was the budget, and that but the marketing budget was ninety to one hundred million. No, okay, so it was almost yeah. yeah. So it was like, like a third it, of it. and yeah. that's because Terminator has more of an international flair. It was going to be, so it's got to go worldwide. But right. still, yeah, yeah. The Blue Mask model is really cool because, like, for an actor, I know it's toxic. I know it's quick, but if you're like an actor who has a family and wants to be there with their kids or their their significant other, or you're a TV actor like Elizabeth Moss who wants to who is in a, a huge show on Hulu, yeah. which takes up probably a ton of time, but you also want to start doing some films and getting ready for the next stage in your career. That model allows you to, during your three month break or whatever, go down, do that movie real quick, show yourself off in a movie that's going to be seen by a lot of people mm-hmm. and get back to work and still have your time to be with your family. Well, she's got a that She's probably squeezing that movie in between, you know, She's probably mad because she's probably doing handmaid's tale, exactly. tale, stuff like that. Oh, but it allows okay. you to do that kind of stuff. And but honestly, I'd rather work long hours for twenty-one days than be stuck in my trailer for six months doing it, another movie. It's okay if you're working long hours, twenty-one days, where everyone's on the same page, nobody's fighting. It's a good script. It's it's a good production. Like, yeah, that's fine. But if it's not any of that, and it's when just you have what the Rock calls candy asses, you don't <laughs> yeah. get out of the trailer and work. And being, <laughs> when you have egos clad, then then it's not, and then it becomes a mess. And there, for all the movies that worked that we talk about. That this that Blumhouse has done that have been successful. There are tons of movies that are not, and you will maybe you'll see them on streaming or VOD. They just didn't make it, or they didn't do enough money. But you never hear about those. You only hear about the successes, which right. is fine. That that's that is what it is. That's the business. So for all the hits, there are misses in terms of that. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that the director has creative control, the fact that they're not 
they're, they're left alone. Go make your movie. The same thing that Netflix does with when they get Scorsese to do Irishman and they bring all these people on. Right. And Spike, Spike Lee's got this new movie, The Five Bloods, which I think is out now. Oh, is it? I want to watch it. In, it's in end of July. It comes out. Okay. You know, when you're told, here's your money, do what you need to do. We trust you. Who's going to say no to that? Not a lot of people. So I understand wanting to do a movie like this. I, obviously, I would do a movie like this. Um, <laughs> but it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a way to make movies. Mm-hmm. It's not probably how Universal or 20th Century, oh, excuse me, Fox or, no, is it Fox? 20th it's Century. 20th Century. 20th yeah. Century, Disney. All, that's not how they make it. They do it a different way. But the way that the, the Blumhouse does it is probably the way I'm used to doing movies because I shot Save the Forest in like oh, three weeks. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't scare me. I can understand how that would scare somebody who's used to a 60-day shoot, a 40-day shoot where you know, they're only working two hours of the day and stuff like that. Right. So yeah. I think the only thing that suffers from the $5 million budget in the 21 day shoot, I think is the lighting. Well, it's all day. De- yeah. It's yeah. just always like we talk about it. It's nighttime, but everything's lit perfectly. Well, yeah. This movie's not going to be a, coming yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. This, this movie's not going to be known for its cinematography. Not saying that. Uh, I think the cinematography itself he, is. Not, but I, again, movie. I'm not saying that Tanita is a bad cinematographer. I'm just right. saying that it's not really, that's not why people are there. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean uh, the rest of the rest of the thing I want to talk about is just like fun lines of what we like about the movie. I mean, I think I've said all my best. fun lines. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I one mean, of my favorite lines is just that I laughed really is when Chris Pine's character is talking about uh, the hookers come out with the masks and stuff like that. They'll have you thinking one of their ancestors <laughs> fucked the python at some point. Oh god, and, yeah. And Patrick Wilson just immediately goes, "Yep," and gets out of his car like he's just quick. Yep, done with this. <laughs> just started laughing. Uh. And I love the conversation between Stretch and the, the bouncer at the club. So you want to commandeer my vehicle? Your police officer want to commandeer my... I'm going to say... I'm going to have to go ahead and say no. Officer Ray Liotta. You really thought you were going to get away with that with that badge? I really did. I really thought... It's a fun story, though. You're going to tell... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that a fun story's got to have a good ending, right? And he puts the gun and the security guard just starts laughing and screams gun. Yeah. And then they're running. He goes... He's running at crackhead speed. <laughs> I thought that was really, really good. I like that moment. I like the line when um, Fohawk tries to get the car. He says, look at you. Has your dad stopped crying yet? <laughs> <laughs> man, I like you, man. We're going to be friends. I don't want to be friends with you. You got a Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> they spray paint all the stuff in the limo. Yeah, what the? Uh, yeah. When did they have time to do all this? Yeah, unbelievable. That kind of weirdness, almost other kind of like this separated from our universe kind of thing. I really enjoy like the weirdness that sometimes pops up in the movie. Well, that that scene almost it feels like it was in another movie or it was somebody wrote it somewhere. And I've had this idea for like this guy that gets into a limo, but they spray paint it and they put it in. Yeah, uh, that's what that feels like. That might be the comedy writers like putting in there. Yeah. When uh, you and your introducer, Roger Caros, and he's parachuting in to coordinates so how do you know coordinates like you're gonna exactly parachute at that moment and you know well, so, that's part of the weird billionaire yeah yeah i no, love I when you. he lands on the cars this is butt cheeks and you're like oh, okay butt cheeks and his balls are oh, just no. coming out of the jock strap yeah no i wondered if that was like is that chris Pine? <laughs> <laughs> and i like his line when he's talking about stretch owes the six thousand dollars mm-hmm. i have a better chance of birthing a full size female baby giraffe <laughs> than coming up with six thousand dollars in six hours <laughs> Oh man. I also like that Iggy is not somebody who wants to It's not wants his to new beat him bosses. Up. New it's bosses. It's his bosses that yeah. want to do it. Like he's yeah. been making payments to Iggy. Iggy wants him to get the money. Yeah. Not necessarily wants him to he doesn't want to have to beat up Patrick Wilson. But you never really you never really felt that that was a I never really felt that that was a problem to be solved. You know, I just like okay, the ticking clock's six thousand by minute. Okay, I get it. Check. It gives him a reason to have to but I, do this night. Right. It, but I never really felt like he was ever going to be in danger. I don't know. Maybe that's just the the way the movie goes. But let's but right. but we have not talked about oh, we have not talked about Charlie at all throughout this entire podcast, Jessica Alba's character. Now, it wasn't a great shock to me that she was the one that he was because he's throughout this movie, he's texting on two phones apparently somebody He's got his work phone and his other phone. phone It's like a dating app or something like that. And they're they're, uh, back and forth. And I already knew it was her from the beginning. And it's, and 
it was like evident that did she did Jessica Alba only have a week's worth of work because she's in the same location except the one time she's at at the oh, diner at the week's end. worth of work she probably had two days worth maybe of work. maybe but she wasn't on set for long it didn't seem like it's twenty one day shoots obviously no but um I wasn't shocked it was her because you find out that he she's his secret admirer or whatever after this the first or second time that we see the car the pink car gone by I, mm. I knew that Charlie was but that's not her car. No, it just right. for some reason that I was because it always appears when he's texting. Right. Well, the, the, we haven't even talked like that's got to be. Well, we also haven't talked about the whole theme of this movie is fate is whether you believe in it or not. Yes. Because um, Stretch does not. He believes it's just what did he say? Like uh, he believes in, in making chance, your own luck, making, making your, your own luck, yeah. making your own luck. Is yeah. Yes. Um, you know, so there's a whole question of whether you believe in fate or not, whether it's fated and. And he ends up at a at the diner at the end of the movie where he was going to meet this girl that he doesn't know is Charlie. Yeah, he ended up just running into whatever diner he was close yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. So it was the diner and then it was her. And, and so, but like at the end, I'm just like, eh. <laughs> like it really, like it really didn't affect me anyway. It was just like, movie's over. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got a nice ending, I guess. Sure. It even, wraps up all right. Even though he's going to be arrested. Uh, even though she's really oblivious if she didn't realize the entire FBI was outside the diner and talking to him in the it, near merely five booths down, right. but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, she's in there. It didn't bother me, but it didn't, it wasn't the driving force of anything. Yeah. But, I, I mean, you needed somebody to get Patrick Wilson out of, you needed somebody to get stretch away from his ex, I guess. Uh, if we're following, but if we're following the mindset that he's about to be in a lot of trouble, it really doesn't matter if, if he's with Charlie because he's not going to be for a while. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it was just kind of tossed in. I yeah. mean, it wasn't a big reveal. It was just like, Oh, Hey, Oh, no, I saw girl. it coming. Yeah. Oh, of course. You just got to give him a love interest. If you're going to start with a love interest. Right. Right. That's just typical movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I mean, well, we did we talk about why it's forgotten? Well, I think we know. I mean, I don't, I don't think it got enough attention. I didn't even know about it, but it's yeah. got some big stars. It's, it's just, I think it's forgotten because Universal balked at it and they didn't want it. They didn't know what to do with it, and they just kind of affected it. Universal made this, forgotten. which is for. Which I'm surprised because Carnahan delivers movies. He just delivered The Gray. He delivers good films. He doesn't. He, you're going to get a specific type of film, but you're not going to get a uh, necessarily a a, a not. It's not a movie that's going to be universally panned. It's going to it's going to have stuff in there that's fun to look at, right. fun to watch. I don't like smoking aces, but there's still stuff in there that's decent. It could be well filmed. You're going to yeah. get quality talent. I'm just it's a much, low budget. Everything I read was like the it was for unknown reasons. It was somebody had a yeah. axe to grind or something. I read that they wanted Chris Pine to lose the beard. They did, which is stupid. And Carnahan just ignored him. Yeah, which, maybe maybe that's why. And they were like, ignore us. You listen to us, Joe Carnahan. You don't listen to us about facial hair growth on an actor. No one's going to know that's Chris Pine. No one will know this movie. No one's not knowing it's Chris Pine. Yeah. Everyone's pretty sure it's Chris Pine. I'm just, again, well, they're not going to know because you uncredited him. So maybe if you put a name in the credits, maybe, we would know. Maybe that's why he was like, maybe that's why he's uncredited too. So like, if you, if you don't put him in the beard, no one's going to know it's Chris Pine. Oh, I can show you. No one's going to know it's Chris <laughs> Pine. <laughs> maybe. All right. That's fine. But yeah, I mean, a $5 million budget, you're making your money back. You're not not making your money back. Right. Right. So that's it's a really weird choice not to do this mm-hmm. and release it in theaters. I think it's really weird that we did this movie. <laughs> I don't think it's weird. It's interesting. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting it's a forgotten, pick for us. It's a forgotten cinema movie. Forgotten I think film. people don't know about it and people should go back. Although now it's not on the streaming sites. You'd have to go buy it, right? You now have to rent it. You have to rent it. Sorry, guys. Maybe it'll come back one day. For now. I'll, I guarantee you when Chris Pine comes out with something else or Patrick Wilson comes out with something else, they'll probably try to ship it to us not it'll be on stars it'll, <laughs> it'll be on stars the week after we air this episode yeah, I, I, that, that seems to be the uh, trend here that uh everything we watch pops up on stars maybe they're listening mm. call us <laughs> <laughs> all right so um i don't know thanks for listening everybody uh mike why don't you uh i don't know where can they find us they can find us on forgotten cinema podcast.com check out all our old episodes past and present check out our blog check out a little bit about what we think about the movies just check us out, really. We're also available on the social medias on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Forgotten Cinema Pod. We post every, we post all the time, quote post awesome commercials. Uh, we think stuff we're awesome. doing. Yeah. So check us out. We also love your comments, suggestions, 
Correction. Let us corrections. <laughs> let us know what movie you guys want to see. Let us know what you think about the movies we post. You know, we love to see your thoughts on movies. Again, this is a conversation on film. Sure. You know, as long as it's a civil discourse and you know, yeah. like we always say, we're not right, we're not wrong. We just love talking about movies. And uh Yeah. Yeah, that's that's about it. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us if you guys get our names out there and help us, you know, tell your friends if you love movies, tell your friends about this podcast. Yeah, it why helps not? Out a lot. Uh, and join us next week. We're going back to the 80s. We're going to 1985 for the Terry Gilliam movie, Brazil. Mike has never seen this movie. No, but I know it's talked about a lot in cinema circles. So it is. I do want to cinephiles know this movie well, but we're doing this. I would assume we're saying that's forgotten for maybe people that don't watch movies past 1990. Yes. So uh, what's interesting is it was just shown as like a document part of it was shown in like a documentary i was watching on tv nice and elise walked in and watched a scene with somebody with like a stretched out face mm -hmm. it was like oh my god that looks awful and i said oh we're doing that in two weeks for <laughs> cinema. that's right stars jonathan price and robert de niro amongst uh, many others so that's right we're doing brazil next week uh that's it guys everyone uh have a good day have a good week you know i don't know Check out our commercial this Good week. Stuff. You like that? <laughs> I got nothing else. Um, I'm Mike Field. I'm Mike Butler. And this has been Forgotten Cinema. Do you know who Jagger Hoover is? Yep, I do. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio played him in a movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Docudrama. Documentary. Arnie Hanger is his lover. Do you know Bill Clinton golfs a four? <laughs> 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 <laughs>